Kaiki is actually Kamparu's father. Hello everyone and welcome to the Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight we have our poser extraordinaire, Natai. <laughs> <laughs> You've already started now, haven't you? Mm, I, I'm, I'm into it, dude. Let's, <laughs> let's fucking sing karaoke like it's, I don't do know, it. an 80s shoujo anime. Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking do it. So yeah, um, as the title suggests, uh, we're we're here. It, it's finally time to wrap up Monogatari's second season. Natai, um, it's time. It's time it's, for Koi Monogatari. It's it's time for Koi Monogatari. It's time for Hitagi End. Um, yeah, we're dedicating an entire part of our Monogatari uh, spoiler cast series just to uh, the what is colloquially known in the fan base as the Kaiki arc of Monogatari. Um, with good reason. Best arc? Question mark? Question that, mark? That's you know what? There's a lot of people that think that, and it is. It's certainly one. Uh, it may be my favorite. In fact, it, it, in my opinion, in term because one thing we've talked about throughout this entire spoiler cast series is how good the dialogue is throughout the mm. entirety of Monogatari. I think, just in terms of dialogue writing, I mean, it, it's all like a ten, but here it's cranked up to eleven. Like For I mentioned sure. this with you a couple of days ago, because as we were re- rewatching this, um, that this is probably the closest I think anime has ever come in terms of dialogue writing to being genuinely Shakespearean. I I, I don't have any issue with that statement. It's definitely up there. I mean, we always talk about how like Monogatari is like the dialogue 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 but literally like you have entire episodes which are just like built around two people in a room literally talking to each other for 20 minutes and it's it's so um it's so it's just so i don't it captures you you know it enthralls you it's so it's fascinating it's great it is this arc especially is it is mm. Uh, before we actually get into the meat and potatoes of the story of this arc, uh, let's talk about the OP and ED. So technically, there are two OPs for this arc. Um, they're both the same song, but the first three episodes, it's called Fast Love. It was uh, composed by... the same visuals. Yeah, and the same visuals. Um, it mm. was uh, composed by Satoru Kosaki, uh, written by Meg Rock, and for episodes one through three, it is sung by Chiba Saito, who is the voice actor for Hitagi. The goddess. Um, the, the goddess. Um, and and then ep- in episodes four through six, it, it's the same song with, you know, pretty much the same visuals. Um, uh, it comes back as a, it's called uh, Kokarashi Sentiment. Um, it's, again, Nailed the same it. song. But they add vocals from uh, Shinichiro Miki, who is the voice actor for Kaiki. And this is the first, and so far assuming we don't get any more uh or we do get some more uh monogatari anime down the road this is the first instance of a male member of the cast singing an op and man what a fantastic op it's so it's one of the best easily there's just so much i mean let's for a second beyond the just 10 out of 10 visuals the duet is is genius i think it's like absolute brilliant choice for, as a song it is but so you this- mentioned the you mentioned the visuals and like the visuals deserve a little bit of a special mention because before before now like all the all the um the op visuals have been 
sort of this um god what, what's what's the really word like avant-garde Abstract. imagery kind of mm. but then this yeah. is the first one where we get Again, it, it was showing Shaft really wanting to experiment with with a visual style, I think. You get a, a visual style for this OP that looks like a fucking shoujo anime from the 1980s. And that motif of the visual switching between the sort of quote-unquote grounded aesthetic we know from the show, how the characters look like, and that switching around with the 80s sort of shoujo anime style visuals that it has... That's so brilliant. And you get these like two versions of Itagi and Kaiki interacting with each other. And in different visuals, it's like it, it's a different context. And it's it, it's absolutely brilliant. You have a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of symbolisms of, you know, the snake sort of choking the crab and all of that. It's it's. Yes, I can gush about this opening alone for like 30 minutes. Um, and then we have uh, a new ED that came in. Uh, it's called Snowdrop, mm. also written by Meg Rock, Meg Rock um, composed by Hidekikazu Tanaka, and it's sung by uh, Marina Kawano and Aluna Haruna. Great ED. It really, I love the song. Uh, I, I listen to it a lot. I love the visuals. The sort of again, it's that aesthetic that the EDs have been uh, playing with for, like ever since the beginning of the show. Honestly. Yeah, um, and it's great. It looks great. A lot of like really cute sort of like moments you have, whether it's like Oshino and Kaiki in their different positions that just like they look. I love it. It's it's good. It's a really good ED. But the OP yeah. by far steals the show. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, but let's actually get into uh, the meat and potatoes of of this uh, this story arc. So um, when we when the the arc opens um we're greeted with kaigi aka best girl um and yes. this is this is the second time in monogatari so far that we have had a point of view not from koyomi third 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 what was this what was, yeah so we Hanukawa, had uh, Hanako, and now uh kaigi. oh yes yes we did have one uh from nariko's perspective yes so this is the third excuse me the third Yep. Uh, time and man, what a what a fascinating mind to delve into and just like hear his inner thoughts all the time. Yes. Um. So yeah. So we 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 come across him. He's at a shrine uh, on New Year's Day, and uh, he's telling. He's basically directly addressing the audience here that he's going to tell you a story that may or may not be true, and it may <laughs> be partially true. It may be completely false. Who knows? Yeah. Basically, it's, it's New Year's and fucking with us, which is, is great because. Immediately yeah. establishing the fact that this is a 100% unreliable narrator. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, and every now and then we'll get hints of that throughout the arc, which is like, which is awesome. It's and one the of amazing my favorite, thing is, like, like right at the beginning, it's obvious that Kaiki is he's alone more or less. I mean, he's surrounded by people, but he's really alone. He's not talking specifically to. He's anyone. by himself. Yeah, he's talking directly to the audience. Um, mm-hmm. And there are times throughout this arc where he will actually be talking to someone in conversation, but he's really addressing the audience. And mm, it's a really, yeah. it is really, really great, just well-written dialogue where, like, he he knows that he's addressing the audience, but he's weaving it into the conversation that he's having with the other character. Mm-hmm. For I just, sure. I love For sure. it. And I'm going to point some of those out as we go along here. Um, There's so much fun to like, no, to like, just point out because it's it's just it's so fucking good, you know. It's so dense with with like bit, bits of like information that are like, whoa, that's what are you saying right now? It's yeah. Um, and so he's interrupted 
on his uh, it's also he, the, the like the monologue he's going through where um he's like trying to deceive the audience basically am i here because i like watching people am i here because i really want to pray for uh you know good fortune who knows mm-hmm. <laughs> who can say am i here because there's just so much money being thrown around here in this yeah can shrine. i just just watching people throw away money like trash yeah um yeah but then he gets I love, contacted by too. someone which is yeah he, he gets a, he that? gets a call he gets a call from uh hitaki and i love the the little conversation that they have where they're trying to essentially deceive each other over the phone where kaiki pretends like hey you got the wrong number my name's really suzuki <laughs> <laughs> and then and that then hitaki just goes along with it and she says what would she call herself sin sin shinsho uh, hahara or something like that i forget something what they, like and she'd be I, like, oh, it's, it'd be a shame if I'll arrive at this airport and no one would be there to pick me up, right? And then he just rushes to the airport to meet her there. That's, that's the funny thing, too. Like, um, you know, when it's, it's obvious to both of them that they're talking to each other and that they know each other, but yet they keep the lie up over the phone. And, like, Kaiki, because Kaiki doesn't want to actually help her, right? And he lies and says... He that, doesn't want to do anything with her, yeah. Yeah, and he lies and says that he's in Okinawa just to, like, shrug her off, right? And she's like, all mm-hmm. right, well, I'll just fly there and meet you. And then he's like, well, shit. <laughs> now I got to fly to Okinawa. <laughs> it's, it's, th- th- this entire, I mean, I think the crux of this entire arc is, is the relationship between Kaiki and Hitagi. And mm. it's absolutely amazing how many facets it has. Because right now we're experiencing, like, sort of, absolute shit talking that happens between the two and every like each one trying to outsmart the other sort of just like going with the lie as far as they can to see if the other will actually keep up with them yeah but later on even in this this same episode we get other facets of their relationship which are much more mature and i think that's and one thing i really want to point out is sometimes the dialogue especially in this arc especially in this arc is so adult and so real that it's kind of incredible they're like wait shit this is monogatari whoa yeah it's amazing um and it's it's um it's good to see and we'll see here in a few minutes um where that that really adult mature dialogue comes up against immature actions (laughs) oh yeah so the so so kaki arrives at the airport yeah I like how and... you write here. I, I I love how you write just here in this doc that we use that shenanigans ensue. What a great way to just <laughs> because so, no, because so, no no I I got I no 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 hold on hold on. So when they I arrive at the it. airport and they're still keeping up this fucking like ruse right over the phone and they're like Hitagi's like okay well I'll I'll meet you at, I'll meet you at a, a cafe uh, or whatever and um and she's like. You, it's not like you just didn't come here on the plane, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he fucking peeks over and he sees her. This this fucking bitch sitting drinking her lemonade or whatever with the with the glasses and the mustache, fake mustache looking like, on her face, looking like Groucho Marx. <laughs> I, I know, right? And of course, of course, what he what is what is he gonna do? He's gonna approach her? No, no, no. He's gonna do one better. <laughs> He actually goes looking for a new outfit to walk in, and he actually goes to meet her with this stupid Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, and of course she spits her drink in her face in his face because I actually, I actually, so so fun fact. uh, A few years ago, when I went to MetroCon here in uh, in Florida, uh, I actually cosplayed as Hawaiian shirt (laughs) Kaiki. What a Chad, dude! What man, absolute Chad! It was great. Um. 
Yeah, uh, they meet each other, and the very first thing that 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 uh, Hitagi does upon him sitting down is literally just throw the drink right on him. And yeah, she literally spits the like, drink out uh, of laughter. And then Kaiki, and then Kaiki's just like, "Hey, uh, waitress, can you get her some more orange juice, please?" You know what's my favorite part about this first interaction we tweeted to? So she spits the, uh, the drink in his face out of laughter, and then you see it, the camera points at Kaiki. It's like, "Hey, got her." <laughs> Yeah, he literally just says, I win. Yeah, it's so good. So good. It is just what a funny. great way to it's, open. It's, it goes so much showing his character. It's like, yeah, deep down he's super serious, but he also has that little bit of a childish streak in him, and I fucking love it. He likes to fuck with Itagi a lot, and, and again, that dynamic is just so much to get into with their dynamic. It's and incredible. Like, I, I'm not going to go super deep into what's being discussed here, because we could analyze this conversation they have to, you know, to the cows. So we could talk about it for, an, for an, uh, all day. Yeah, but um, I, there's a couple of things in it I definitely want to point out. Throughout this entire... Um, throughout this entire conversation, it is essentially a battle of wits between uh, Hitagi and and Kaiki, right? And it's like who can get who, who can get who to just cry uncle first? Like who can get who to say, "All right, I give up. I'll listen to you." Um, yeah, and th- it's that's really that, entertaining. That shit talking between them is just so good. It's so well written, and there's some great lines that happen here. Um, mm. Happen here too. Um, there's there's one that happens in the second episode, uh, but I really I'll get into that in a second. Um, but throughout the course of this, we actually have a couple of instances where drinks get thrown again, um, all the time. Yeah. Um, but the one I really want to talk about is toward the end of this conversation, right before Kaiki leaves to have one of the greatest monologues in anime history. Um, Hitagi's like Hitagi's offering him money to do this job, and what he wants him to do is deceive uh, Nadako, who has already stated, which we talked about in a previous arc, wants to kill um, Hitagi and uh, Koyomi on graduation mm-hmm. day um, yep. because of the unrequited love. Um, after she has become a god, and she has the power yeah. to do this, and she wants uh, what she wants from Kaiki is she wants Kaiki to deceive Nadako because that's what she knows that he's really good at because everyone almost everyone she's come into contact with Kaiki has deceived in some way yeah and it's funny how he reacts to it. it's like so you're approaching me for this <laughs> and it's like sort of like sort of questioning why and like he he, he, sort, he questions like the the c- how complex the job is because it seems so sort of like whatever to him uh, but I love that back and forth. And then she sort of like, as you said, she offers money. She offers more money. And to the like, as we said about spinning drinks at each other, to the point of where she's like, she was like, yeah, I'll even offer my body. So he takes his cup of coffee and just splashes it in her face. Yeah. And so something else that that I think this speaks to is like how traditional of like a guy Kaiki tends to be. And we've seen glimpses of it before, right? So like we we've seen glimpses like he doesn't like things like uh he tends to respond somewhat um shall we say harshly to things like prostitution. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's like I think it's even more than that. Sometimes it feels like he treats Itagi as if she's like a child, like a brat even sometimes. Like he'll sort of she'll say some things and like like sort of suggest actions that'd be like it'd be like very I don't know if condescending, but like very dismissive of them. 
And she hates yeah. that. She notices that. And it, and it's funny that, you know, for all the, the way that she's talking, because, like, this is a very adult conversation, mostly, that they're having between each other. But yet she she has these things that get said to her and then she just goes off and we see it in the conversation like she spits her her drink at him or then eventually throws her drink at him um and it's like yeah for all the talk of you being um for you being mature and and not a child you tend to act pretty childish sometimes mhm for sure um uh, I, I i love that dynamic though that he he is able to like recognize that she thinks she's an adult but yet she can regress into those childish tendencies yeah, it's like one of my friends who watched the show put it very. I love how he put it. It's like all the all the all the cast is like when when they like you know the the high schoolers did like talk to each other. It's like this this game of as you said wits and shit talking to each other. And then you have Kaiki show up and absolutely destroy all of them with <laughs> with how he behaves and talks. And it's it's like, it's great because let me show you like kids an adult. how this shit really is. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, and then at the, the end of this, the episode ends with one of the greatest monologues, I think, in anime history, um, mm. where Kaiki excuses Agreed. himself to go to the bathroom, and he look, he's just looking at himself in the mirror and, and talking to himself, trying to talk him into doing this job, because he has outwardly expressed no interest to, to Hitagi about doing this job, because it doesn't seem to benefit him monetarily. So he's sitting there trying to... to figure out any kind of reason besides just money that he would want to take on this job and i I love the um all the different excuses that he gives and he's like every one of them just ends in no i can't do that like one of them is is like because one of them is like i can meet i can meet this person hanekawa she has big boobs (laughs) no no it's like he's trying to as you said he's trying to give himself like he's trying to justify actually doing this it's like "Hmm, maybe i want to Maybe I want to help Senju Gahara after all the things she went through. No, maybe I want to do it as like a, a favor for Aragi after all the shit that he went through. No, <laughs> it's a great monologue. But then he ends with him. It's like, hold on a second. They're they're friends with this Kanbaru, and I want to meet her. Maybe if if I can like do this job, that'll let me actually meet up with Kampuru. Yes. <laughs> yes. So he was the, the only thing he thinks is that he can use this as a way to get to Kampuru. This all just just further exemplifies for me my belief in my like fan theory that Kaiki is your head cannon. My head cannon that Kaiki is actually Kampuru's father. I know I mean, I've, the first said, time I've we... mentioned it before, but I think mm. just just lends further credence to it that he's willing to go this far just to get closer to her. I mean, first time we did, we meet him is when he's outside Cumberland's place. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's a random spot for you to hang in, Mr. Right? But yeah, um, so he was willing to take the job, apparently. And that's the end of episode one, which yes. is insane. Because all of this this entire episode is two people in a room talking to each other, pretty much. And it's More one of the best episodes yeah. of the entire series. Um, and then the next episode, they just continue basically from where they left off, right? So we got Kaiki is asking, after he agrees to take the job, he, and he tells Hitagi this, obviously he needs more information about, you know, what's going on. And there's a there's, there's the best bit of foreshadowing I think I've ever seen in anime in this conversation. So they're walking around, <laughs> they're essentially walking around this this airport that they're in. Um and um and Kaiki or not Kaiki, uh Hitagi says to Kaiki, there are people out there that hold a grudge against you. Please make sure that you don't get beaten to a pulp by a junior high kid only to be left as an unidentifiable corpse. Now, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in the movies, 
This is what we call foreshadowing. Also, isn't it like, I don't like getting stabbed? Yeah. <laughs> wow, dude. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, I just I I love this bit of foreshadowing and like you know as a, as a and you only realize this on a, on a rewatch of it. The first time you watch it, oh, yeah. you just think that this is a weird bit of thing, you know, something to say, sort of out of the blue like this. But you know, whatever. It, it's it's Monogatari. But then you realize, oh, I see what you were oh. doing there, Nisuisen. Very nice, very nice. Also, I love how every time Itagi mentions Hanekawa, he's like, who the fuck is this Hanekawa? Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I love I, it so much. I love that, too. Um, and he'll find out. Um, and he also he also resolves that he will not take any, mo- any more money from Hitagi than what she currently has on her. So she gives him an envelope that has 100,000 yen in it. Um, I don't know how much this would have been at the time Monogatari came out. Uh, I'm sure it's a different amount than like- it is now, but... And it's just like, um, I don't have any money. Can you pay for my flight back? Yeah. <laughs> and then he just gives her that look like, <sighs> And one of my favorite bits is like, so when he keeps like asking her about it and like figuring what's the, the story behind this entire case. And mm-hmm. she talks about how Nadeko was like, was in love with Koyomi and all that. And it's literally like, it's literally like this whole shit started from like, from like a lover's triangle. And it's like that low brow, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I do love that. So good. The more he finds out about this, the more he keeps shit talking um, Hitagi and Koyomi's relationship. <laughs> the, the entire situation, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, I love it. And I then, absolutely love it. it it's it, like I say, yeah. it's some of the best written dialogue the series has to offer. It's great. It's so it's just it's so dense. There's just so much to talk about with this arc. Uh, but yeah, then he arrives at the town. Uh, oh, he... oh! I want before before we do that. There is one other uh, uh, thing that Kaiki says during this whole conversation with um, Hitagi at the airport that I mm. wanted to point out. That it one hundred percent sums up his entire character in a single line. Where he oh, looks, I know which one you're talking her, about. He looks her straight in the eyes and says, "Don't trust, doubt." <laughs> It's it, it's so I love the shading in that specific shot because he looks so menacing in that he shot. Does. You know? He does. It's like with the sunglasses, the, like the thick blacks around his eyes and sunglasses. It's, it looks so good. And he's he's looking down and then he's got his eyes focusing up at her and he just like he's it's so like you say it's so menacing and it's so like it's like he's trying to like shout this deep into her soul where he just like don't trust doubt and like you say like the shading changes completely for that one little shot like he gets super realistic in that um in that already, one instance. Already, already i should have wrote it down what was the context for that reply what did he reply for when he said that uh should have wrote it down um written down down so the thing he's actually replying to itagi with is um I, for, I I forget the context of why he says it, but the the, the way he says it, it just, the way he it, says it is just so yes. I oh, it's really threatening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. But any so they did depart, and he's like, okay, oh, I'll do I this. know, I know exactly oh, the remember? context he's, he says that for. Um, it's uh, Hitagi asks, "How do I know you won't take my money and just leave me high and dry?" Mm. And he says, "Don't trust doubt." So good. And Danny arrives in town, and of course he do, he has this, this little make, makeover he does for himself with yes, the new easy breezy with the beautiful new suit. best grill. Yeah, oh, so good. I, I love I love it. And I love later on when he like takes a shower, his hair comes back up. Mm. When he's, he has these like every now and then like these like small moments where he like play with his hair with his hair. 
Mm-hmm. It's like I think he, in one of the later conversations, like he's like pulling his hair back up when he's talking to Anakawa. I remember, I think. Yeah, uh, but we'll get to that. It looks great. I love that shot. Yeah, and he goes in. The, one of the first things he does is he goes to uh, Nadako's parents' house, uh, where she used to live, um, and uh, finds out that they're kind of um, what's the word? Uh, sheltering her, <laughs> sort of sheltering and not really aren't really aware of their daughter you know it's like it's like they know who she is but they don't really know her yeah they don't know her later on in the arc there's a very specific line that sums it up perfectly Hmm. uh, and we'll get to that but yeah i love how he then he 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 goes to their place and he sort of like impersonates like a a worried parent of uh, of a classmate classmate, or whatever Yeah, and he's, like, asking the right questions just to, like, tug on their heartstrings to, like, oh, I'd love to... He's, like, trying to figure out maybe he will find some clues or whatever because he's worried about his own daughter or whatever. And and then they show him to her room, and then he looks at all the photos, and he's, like, trying to piece together, okay, who, what type of person is she? Like, he's trying to figure it out, her out. And, and I love across... There's a, a lot of points in the arc where you just see him sort of investigate and study. I love right before he arrives at the town, there's this shot of him in the airplane, like taking notes, writing down notes in his notebook. I love it. I love it. So, yeah. And it shows that he's literally just drawing things. <laughs> yeah. His notes is literally just him doodling stuff, and it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we get, when, while he's sitting in the room, or not sitting in the room, but, you know, investigating Nadako's room, we find like the photos are all of her. And like nobody else, and like he, Kaiki makes a distinct reference that um, all of the the cuteness that she has, like her aura of cuteness, it all seems so forced. None of it seems genuine. Mm, because uh, she always seems like to look down or in different direction. She she seems uncomfortable, even though she's like, oh, look at this cute girl, you know. Yeah, I mean, he even makes note of like she grew her bangs out so that she wouldn't have to look anyone directly in the eyes. Yeah, yeah, which is like a great callback to pretty much what happened in uh, her arc in the second season when they talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also kind of a callback to uh, Nisim Monogatari. It makes you wonder, who was the real fake of Nisim Monogatari? Mm. Because you remember, who who was the girl that started out that arc? True, true. Nadako. That bitch. That bitch with her <laughs> stupid game. Yes. Um... And then this is the second time we get a, a direct reference to Nadako's closet. The first time was in Nisei Monogatari when, uh, when Koyomi yeah. asked about it. Um, and she says, no, you can't go in the closet. And Koyomi just kind of brushes it off like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, and then uh, Kaiki gets the same uh, lecture or, you know, talking to from her parents, which her parents have never opened the closet either. You'd think, you know, with a missing child, you would... And he notes that. He's like, yeah, he notes it. It's like, that's so strange that they have a missing child, but they kept her room like in tip top shape without exactly as it was when she left. Yep. Yeah, and and kind of uh, abided by her demand that they not go into the closet, um, despite the fact that it could have some, you know, clue or whatever as to where she might be or what she's done. Oh, we'll Um, get to that closet. And oh, oh, we'll oh, we'll get to it. Kaiki, Kaiki notes it very dutifully too. Um, and so Kaiki makes a decision to go visit Nadako at the shrine, even though she, he was kind of talked or it was, he was told that maybe not the best idea to go do so soon. 
but uh, mm. he decides to go do it anyway. Uh, he offers her. And then money the shrine to- is. And then the shrine is repaired and seems like very like you know, like a shrine. Looks good. It looks like a sh- proper shrine. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that uh, that Nautico has been. We also learned that um, in the you know in the preceding days or weeks really, uh, Hitagi or not Hitagi, um, Koyomi has been going up to the shrine not every day but somewhat regularly to confront Nautico, and she keeps beating the shit out of him. Yeah. Um, Poor guy. So part of the reason that Kaiki was advised not to go do this is because that if not with 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 uh, Koyomi, if he gets the shit beat out of him, like he's still got his, he's like half vampire, he'll heal up pretty quickly. Um, Kaiki could die. <laughs> yeah, Kaiki could literally die. He's just a dude, and yeah. I love. He's like, eh, I'll 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 pay your visit, and then he goes there, and that he first interaction. He throws ten thousand yen, and she just burst out of the out of the shrine, and she's like, "Nadako oh, dayo, Shout out to the voice acting in this arc. A- each one of them just bring their A game. They're so good. Like I-, I love Nadako in this arc. She's so good. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, what was like, where was it going with this? Oh, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, she's overjoyed about the fact that she has her first adherent, or who she believes to be her first adherent, that is Kaiki. Uh, He's literally the a... first guy that actually shows up and offers her money. Yeah. yeah. Um, and doesn't run away when she bursts out. Because she does mention that <laughs> other people have come up here, but the second that she appears, they run away before making an offering. Mm. Um, I mean, she has Medusa hair. I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I can could, yeah, I can't blame them. Really, I really can't. Um, but they have this conversation, and um, she talks to Kaiki about wanting to kill, you know, Koyomi and Hitagi, um, and uh, that 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 uh, sentiment. It, it's not expressed exactly this way, uh, but that sentiment that's talked about in this conversation that it's better for her to love someone forever instead of loving each other. That's yeah, something like that. Cool. That it it goes back again to the themes of uh, of uh, her arc, where it's like, oh, she's she she enjoys the fantasy of this unrequited love more than actual relationship of like people loving each other. She so likes the idea of being in love mm. more than the act yeah. of love itself. Yeah, and, she's in love and, with and the idea of love. She's in love with the idea of Koyomi, honestly. Yes, and yes. And then Kaiki sort of like it's sort of just opens up to him. And it's like, oh, I'm I'm Kaiki, and it's like, oh shit, maybe I fucked up. <laughs> I know. I like that where he actually says his name, and then internally he's like, wait a minute, fuck. I actually I didn't directly deceive her, but I direct I did deceive people who were close to her, and they probably mentioned my name. Yeah, but then but then he gives her this like cat cradle, this like little game to play with the ropes or whatever, and uh, they sort of like bond over it sort of uh wink wink and it's sort of it's cute i, I like that the whole exchange i i, I want a piece of animation of kaiki like, and doing are with cat doing this, though it shows what his intentions are with doing this because like he wants to gain her trust oh yeah and um and the only way he can do that is by pretending to be you know ac- actually give a shit about her and what she's like yeah. doing up here Right, and he's asking her questions, like interested in like, and she and she's just babbles on and on about Araki and Itagi, and she's gonna kill them and all of that, and he just lets her do the talking, which so far and, seems and, to work in his favor. And in in the course of this talking, he he realizes that like she 
she doesn't remember important details that she probably should, but yet she clings on to these very minor, seemingly unimportant details and holds on to them like they're fucking like that are specifically related to Aragi. Yeah, yeah. And a, a good example is like she probably does had heard Kaiki's name at some point, but she didn't remember it. She forgot about it, yeah, because her all her entire like infatuation with Aragi is just like taking all of her brain cells or whatever. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I uh, I love the way that this episode essentially ends with Kaiki just kind of realizing to himself, this person's going to be really easy to manipulate and deceive. She's an he literally idiot. is like, yeah, she's an airhead. She's a dumbass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she's he's he knows that she's a dumbass, but she's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's pretty much how this episode uh, ends. And then we get to episode three, which is another one of my... The beginning of it has one of my favorite encounters, like, dialogues ever in anime. Yeah, Um, definitely. Hard agree. So Kaiki Kaiki calls Hitagi and wants to see her in person because he needs to discuss something with her that he doesn't feel he can talk about over the phone. Um, To Mr. Donut we go. Yes. (laughs) I I, I also love they meet what i i think is supposed to be like a um a metro station or like you know a uh a train station um mm. and he asks her oh, like yeah he asked her is there a family restaurant out down, around here that we can go through that's still open because it's it's somewhat late at night or it's at least it's mm-hmm. implied that it's somewhat late at night um that they've met um and, and she comments like, on that <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then she's like okay follow me and then they end up at mr donut very begrudgingly she's like oh that's how you ask people out okay follow yeah me. Um, at first i love how she's like trying to like act as if she doesn't see him in the station it's, it's so good mm. it's so good it's very hitagi <laughs> oh yeah um uh, but yeah th- then they go they have this dialogue that lasts for quite a while it's a good chunk of this episode um and it's like I say, it's one of my favorite dialogues ever um, in anime. And they talk about a lot. Um, they talk about their like relationship, and I use that kind of in air quotes. Um, that um, that he lied to Koyomi um, about uh, Hitagi having a crush on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this, because again, that whole <laughs> thing of like, in, he told us back in Nisei Monogatari about that, but I guess he was just shit talking and lying to us. He was. Uh, or is he lying now? Who knows? Because <laughs> he's the one telling the story. And he's an unreliable narrator. Yep. Uh, yeah. But I, I love that. I love that callback. Um, and I also love the fact that it um, it puts an enormous amount. Of, what it does is it, this is the first part where or the first um, um, the first part of this arc where you start to realize that there's a lot of lying going on across the board. When it comes to Kaiki, for sure. Not just Kaiki. I mean, that, that, Sinja Gahara, yeah. too. True, true. Yeah. Um, for sure. And then Kaiki shares with um, with Hitagi his experience meeting with Nautico. I like how um, Hitagi's like, wow, and you didn't die. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but he, he relates to her like she's an airhead. She's an idiot. Um, and she grew up essentially in an environment where she never needed to feel angry or upset or she never needed to feel anything resembling malice and it's made her anyone had yeah or anyone having these like bad intentions towards her she never was in an environment like that yeah Uh, so like 
That's how he no, explains how easily it's gonna easy for him going to be to deceive her, and because, then he sort of lays out the plan. Yeah, yeah, and it it, it kind of shows that he believes that she's because she's lived this way, she's gonna be very naive. Which, if you think about it, is kind of true in real life, right? You see mm. it a lot with people who. Um, young people who grow up essentially with what we call silver spoons in their mouth. They don't necessarily have to work towards anything. They get a lot of stuff handed to them. They never have to feel any sort of discomfort or um, anger or, you know, malice uh, towards anything. And they grow up or to be being, resentful people. <laughs> or having, or feeling like people are, are like having these emotions towards them, you know, They're like very yeah. sort of walled up from others, like intentions. For yeah, better or for they're worse. sheltered. They're sheltered. sheltered. And they grow up. They grow up. Precisely. They grow up typically to be very resentful of this. Like this happens in real life, so it's kind of relatable in a weird way. Sort of, yeah. It's it's again. I, I like we talked. I, I can't stop gushing about this, but we talked about this many times. How the second season, the in its entirety, sort of like deconstructing all of the characters that we saw built up throughout Monogatari so far. This is one of them. Sort of like like looking at this like sort of character caricature that we saw in Bakemonogatari with Nadeko and how it sort of like unraveled more and more and how we sort of like take a closer inspection on that character's like what type of person is that what that led her to be this way it's yeah it's great um yeah so the plan that essentially Kaihi comes up with is that he's going to visit the shrine over and over and over again over the course of you know the next month or so and uh, build up a rapport with um, with Nadako and you know get on her good side more or less um, and and try to get more and more of the story behind you know her relationship with Hitagi and Koyomi out of her um, and then gonna like lay on to her that they both died in an accident so now she can't kill them um, and that yeah. will eventually make her realize that, oh okay you know I don't need to do this anymore and essentially make her grow up out of these feelings of hatred. Yeah. Sort of like make her realize that it's kind of pointless because, oh, look, these people are dead. It's It doesn't matter anymore. And yeah. I love how reassuring he is for Senju Kaharu. It's like, yeah, it's going to be very easy. This is the plan. I got this in the bag, you know? Yeah. And then one of my absolute favorite moments in, in this episode is like, so by this point, so they're just, you know, talking and she has she has this like cup of water or whatever next to her and he's like eating donuts and in the moment sort of like very he reassures her that everything is gonna be fine i love how she literally just like lowers her scarf and like takes a donut and eat it it, and eats it because she she looks so relieved and like it's very on the nose, but like I love her. She literally lowers her guard when he should when she lowers the scarf, and it's like she very physically lowers her guard by taking her scarf yes. off. Yeah, it's um, it's, like, it's it's also worth mentioning the the outfit that Hitaki is wearing, which is oh, uh, so like good. fans of the series tend to call it her winter outfit. Um, it looks they even Perfect. made a figure out of it. It looks so good. Um, which, by the way, I love I love when Kaiki is like, it's this light at night and you're wearing your school uniform. And she's like, I'm not willing to share any part of my private life with you. So I I use this uniform as like my business outfit. I'm like, right on. <laughs> uh, also, something that happens um, shortly before this is that um, Kaiki asks her very point blankly, like, you know, when you um, when you get up and walk away from somewhere, do you always take your bag with you? Like, do you always mm. take your personal stuff with you? And uh, she says, well, it kind of depends. Um, 
He's like, around you? Yes, I would always take my bag with me. I would always have it to where I can see and feel what's been, you know, what's being done with it. And then he asks her, Very... when, when, when he first talks to her to get her to come out and meet her, she's actually at um, Araragi's parents' house, and, like, everyone is there. You know, Koyomi, his parents, the his sisters. Her parents as well, apparently. Yeah, her parents, well, her father, at least. Her father, I think her yeah. mother was there. Um, but... Um, he asked her, "So you wouldn't do it with me? But did you do it when you took when you went to the hall to take the call from me?" And she's like, and she thinks about it for a second. Is like, no, I left it that there be because I trust rude. these people. It's one of these nisioisms, sort of that is like he just like he's like dotes on this very specific detail and just makes a conversation out of it. It's. <laughs> And I, yeah. I bring that up because after the whole thing with her lowering her guard, and it is, it's a very physical manifestation of a load being lifted off of her shoulders by mm. Kaiki telling her all this and eating the oh, donut. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I can finally breathe. Um, she gets up and goes to the bathroom. Now, while she's in there, Kaiki makes note of the fact that she took her bag with her. <laughs> and I like the <laughs> fact that he just looks at it and goes, good girl. <laughs> You're learning. But then... But then, when she returns, one of the best shots in the entire series, it's when she comes back out of the, out of the bathroom, and she looks at Kaiki, teary-eyed, and she's like, thank you. Mm. It's And, and, so, and the tone, her tone is just so right. It feels so, it doesn't feel like, it, it feels so real. How she's like very, in a very sort of like, she just thanks him from the bottom of her heart for actually like reassuring her that it's going to be okay. It's so good. Yeah, so I, I do want to point out a slight difference between how the anime tackled this and the light novel. Oh, um, okay. Late on. Uh, well, it, it's a kind of a minor difference, but it adds a little bit more context to her going to the bathroom. Um, it doesn't. It's not really obvious in the anime how long she's away from the table. In the light yeah, novel, like it says that she's, that she's away. Back. In the light novel, it makes it very clear that she's away for almost ten minutes. Oh, really? Yes. She was bawling her eyes so out. She was bawling her fucking eyes out. And and it, something else that doesn't really come through in the um in the anime so much. It, yeah, she's teary-eyed. In the light novel, it describes her face makes it, it her face looks like she's been crying very, very hard. Yeah. I, I this, think it's, one, what, what, it's a small it's a small difference between the anime and the light novel I wanted to point out. I think what it does what the the, the detail that I I love about that moment is, is is just the delivery of her line. It's very simple. It's just her thanking it, but the tone it just feels so different from everything we've heard. Because until now we heard Italian like you know full on confidence, just you know like firing back at Kaiki for everything everything he has. But then like when she walks out of the bathroom, she's just very sincerely. She's just like, thank you, thank you so much. Like, and it's a great it's a great moment yeah. of, of of character development too because like the Hitagi we met back in Bakemonogatari would never have let herself be seen crying never. in public like this. No. Would never like her growth. Would, if mm. she had to step away to cry, she would have done it, cleaned herself up, then come back out like steel faced, right? Yeah, her growth in the show is just like one of the most satisfying aspects of it, and this yeah. like this arc especially is like one of like the pillars of that you know yeah um but stop gotta stop gushing about that because i could talk about this conversation for, yeah, for yeah, hours yeah. <laughs> oh my um, god we have like three episodes to go so then we have yeah so then we have a um 
a scene where we actually see Kaiki studying how to do cat's cradles because he doesn't know how to do it, <laughs> even though he made it sound like he did know how to do it from uh, when he when he gave the uh, string to Donatico. And then he's like, and then he's like looking at all the papers. He throws them to the side. Like I memorized it. <laughs> I memorized them all. <laughs> and then we get then we get Onanoki showing up literally out of nowhere. Yay, Onitan, peace, peace, peace. <laughs> and he hates it. And he absolutely he just hates. hates- I get the there. sense. I get the sense that he just barely tolerates Onanoki's existence. Like, because yes. Onanoki's been around for quite a while, and he knows her from before when he had a more of a direct association with Gaian and and Meme and and Kaganui. Uh, mm. And I, I get the sense that he has always just barely tolerated her existence. Um, I, I just want. I want an entire show of just Kaiki and Onanoki, and he's just hating every second of it <laughs> um but yeah she shows up to deliver a message from Gaian. Gaian wants him to completely cease what he's doing in this town and offers him three million yen in payment so much more than what hitagi can offer and uh, i i love the fact that he goes back and forth in his mind like should i do this should i not do this a lot of money a lot of money and I love how he's like he's like thinking about it and then it's like 30 minutes past and it's like yeah no <laughs> yeah no um yeah, we also learned that, you know, behind the scenes from what's been going on throughout the course of second season and from before, um, Gaian yeah. has kind of been working behind the scenes to try and stabilize this town, quote unquote. It's um, very revealing, like a lot of details about how influential Gaian has been on this yes. sort of world we've been through. And that she's kind of been know. involved I won't say in everything that we've seen so far, but in a lot but of a lot things, of stuff. We've, in a lot of the things we've seen so far, she's been kind of behind the scenes, pulling some strings, putting things where they should be. Like her original intention was to uh, install a new god at that shrine, but it wasn't supposed to be Nadago, and that someone has actually interfered with this plan. And if you're really thinking hard, hmm. you already I know. I wonder who. You already know who's interfered with this plan if you've been paying hmm. attention. Um, um, but Kaiki actually does take the money <laughs> and decides, yeah, I'll take this money, but I'm not going to stop. <laughs> and I love how he is like, he, he comments on how he's like, is like, he, he burned the bridge with, with Guy and basic, but he feels so relieved about it. It's like, and I love that little moment is like, like, uh, talking about the guy and his guy and senpai. Like, and then he's like, corrects himself to just the guy because He's done with that sort of relationship. Yeah. He's not connected to her anymore. Also, watching Kaki one, like threatening Ononoki to punch her in the face is good stuff. Yeah. Um, something else that happens. So Nadako or uh, Kaiki uh, goes back to uh, visit Nadako, and you know they do the cat's cradle thing again, and he finds out that she broke the string that he gave him, so she's been using an Ouroboros, and then he's like, oh, that's "She's so not good. just ins- she's not just dumb. She's fucking insane." Uh, yeah. And then when he goes back in uh, into town, he gets this sense that someone is following him, but it's never really it's never really um revealed or um or solved who is following him. It's just a feeling that he has that someone's been following him. But he kind of hmm. he plays it off a little bit. He, he plays it off and he's like maybe it, he he comes up with a couple of uh, you know, uh examples of what it could be. It could be someone who he had uh deceived before uh you know trying to follow him around see what he's doing back in town it could be got one of Gaian's henchmen quote unquote trying to track down what he's doing but he kind of he, he he whisks it away in his mind and he just doesn't think about it 
And then he lies to Nadako's parents over the phone to get them to leave the house. Yeah, again. (laughs) uh, To get them to leave their house so that he can break in. And he does break in, and he actually opens Nadako's closet in the very last, uh, uh, like, frame of that episode is him just looking shocked at what he finds in the closet by the way one of my favorite things he uses his coin to open the locked closet yes he uses money (laughs) his love for money paid off um so then we get to episode four we get to episode four kaiki goes back to his hotel room uh and he gets a letter uh from someone asking him to quote pull out who's it from who is now? Now this entire episode, so is pretty much just one. For the most part, is just again a conversation between Kaiki and Itagi, and I love the visuals. I love the visuals of him, like you know, after the shower, looking out the window. There's like it's very Blade Runner esque with the you know the big ass like monitor in like that the one of the uh, building has on it. That's like it just like a panning shot of uh, Senju Gahara. It's just it looks so good. I love that shot. Yeah. I, I, I do love the cinematography of this conversation. Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. He, he calls Hitagi and he asks, like, who do you think could have done this? And um, and Hitagi's like, well, if, if it was someone who was following him, you know, uh, it was could be one of the junior high kids that you deceived. Um, and then <laughs> I also like, again, another great bit of foreshadowing. It's like, but if they were following him, they just would have hit you from behind. Probably. Another great bit of foreshadowing there, Nisio Eason. Um, and like pretty much they talk about a lot about uh, mainly about the sort of like who could it be to sort of speculate who they who like could have sent it he's wondering if it's guy and maybe it's someone else it's like there's just a lot of questions again the this is, she mentions Hanakawa is like again, who the fuck is this Hanakawa yeah uh, <laughs> Basically, most of this episode is again. He's just the two of them speculating. Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of them throwing a bunch yeah. of you know conspiracy theories and and speculations and all at each other. And again, it's a battle of wits because I think deep down, Kaiki might know who who let, uh, Kaiki might uh, suspect that Hitagi knows who sent that or left that letter for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they, it's basically just a battle of wits between them trying to figure out who can come up with the most elaborate conspiracy theory about who sent that letter. And then I love that uh, Hitagi's like, well, let me come look at the letter. Maybe I can uh, see whose uh, handwriting is. Maybe I can determine who it might be. And he's like, no, I threw it away. I ripped it up. I threw it down the toilet. And he's like, why would you do that? <laughs> um, but no, so then the next day, um, we see him... On the way to the shrine, he actually stops by and goes and buys sake for for Nautico. Um And he acts, uh, first off, don't give kids sake, boys and girls. I mean, but, technically, she's a goddess. So I, I, I even like how um, I like how Kaiki even points that out. He's like he directly addresses the audience now. Before you say anything about me giving alcohol to a minor. <laughs> Uh, um, age is just a number alex am i right (laughs) Uh, anyway (laughs) anyway so he goes they talk you know shit happens blah 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 um and she seems to really enjoy the sake by the way um so as as he's leaving the shrine he meets hanakawa (laughs) so finally he has to find out who the fuck is hanakawa now i this is like the third time i best outfit hanakawa yes and the tiger stripes hair oh my god yes uh, this is the third time <laughs> that I think I've rewatched this particular story arc. And I, it's been so long since I'd watched it um, 
from the last time I watched it um, that I'd completely forgotten that Hanakawa actually appears in this arc. Um, Very briefly, but man, every time she appears, I'm like, again, oh. again, we get another lie. So she, we know now that Hanakawa has lied to Hitagi about going overseas. She did fly out and she has been away, but she's essentially just been on vacation. <laughs> I mean, she was looking for, for Oshino. Uh, but she never told Itagi that she was back for the day, basically, specifically to talk to Kaiki, uh, which it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. But then they're like, so they leave. And oh, one thing that she noted, which I, I totally forgot about that one part, mm. is when she was like, pretty much one of the reasons she left is aside from looking for Oshino, is which we still have no idea where he is, is basically to sort of like, leave Itagi to act on her own, which sort of pushed her to go to Kaiki and ask it for help. Yeah. It essentially it essentially forced her to help herself. Which sort is of, again, yeah. if you will think about it, one of the very first lessons we hear Meme give to Kuyomi. <laughs> it le it all it always leads back to it. It always leads back to it. <laughs> and then she and th so then Kaiki and Ankao go to her place where she stays at currently and Sort of and sort of like an interesting like conversation that they have where Kaiki is like, I need to make sure that you actually want Itagi and and Aragi to stay alive, and she's like, Yeah, for sure, which I found very interesting. Um, but that's how the episode ends, which leads to episode five and their like real conversation. Mm. Sort of, it's also say. worth it's also worth pointing out that the the anime goes to great lengths to to point out that they have exchanged contact information. Just leaving that out True. there. Um, yeah. So on I mean, episode I, I, five. I mean, I mean, I'd love to exchange contact information with Hanako. I'd love to exchange contact Hanukkah. information with Hanako. <laughs> uh, I mean, she can't have Koyomi. Might as well have me, right? Uh, <laughs> Goddamn. Anyway. Uh, so we get to episode five. And the lead into episode five is, I mean, Hanakawa and Kaiki are still having this um, this conversation where Hanakawa pretty much pulls Kaiki up to speed about um, all the events that have happened in the last few months since he's been away, uh, including the events related to Gaia in an episode where you remember, uh, uh, what was it the was it the beginning of second season? It was the beginning of second season, yeah, which we still meets... don't know why they were there. Yeah, we were, that's where Hanakawa met Gaia in an episode, and Gaia basically said, "Girl, shut up, sit down, go home." No, apparently a lot of shit went down there in that sort of period of time, but we still don't know what, and mm. it'll be quite a while till we know what happened there. Yes, which is it, uh, yes, it will. an interesting choice. Yes, it will. Um, again, foreshadowing. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, one of the things that is uh, discussed here is that Nariko always struck Hanakawa as being snubbed. Um, and not that that she that that Nadako was snubbed, that she was snubbing people around her, that she had closed herself off to everyone and not being able to be reached by anyone. And that which this is was so a, this was perfect. A, yes, which is she she um she describes it as a very conscious effort on her part. Yeah, and I think that's sort of like that's that's what I was talking about. This is like <clears throat> her snubbing people around her is like it's so perfect. To describe Nadako's sort of like character in the show, which, uh, it is. I love it. It is so precise. Um, and then um, she, she, the, the great part here. So um, 
Hanakawa asks Kaiki if uh, he knows if Meme has any family. Uh, and then he's like, specifically no, Oshino's always been alone all the time. But she specifically asked if, if uh, Meme has a niece. And oh. if, if you think back, if you think back, oh, the first time that we meet Ogi, how is she introduced herself as Meme's niece? And of course, Kaiki is like, what the fuck are you talking about? He has no family. He's essentially hey, a loner, kind of like me. Yeah. I, I love how he's like he was born alone to the world or something like that. Yeah, uh, born to be alone. That's that's the phrase that he uses. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I love that that the fact that he that she mentions that um, and Kaiki's like no, like it, again you learn a little bit about uh, uh, Meme, you learn a little bit about Kaiki, the fact that they the reason they live these sort of um, uh, what's the phrase like wandering Secluded. lifestyles is because they wandering, really don't yeah. have anything to go home to. They don't have a home. That's yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I wonder if he means this like literally, or if he means it like um, you know, uh, that they basically close themselves off to their family. Like they actually, mm. they actually like have family that's alive, but their family they have distanced themselves from their family so much so that we, they don't feel like they have one anymore. All of the Ghostbusters, we don't know that much about when you think about it. It's like yes. we know just. Which is why Nisio Eason should write a fucking uh, story about them. Oh, yeah. I'd be down to, write, to read that for sure. Um, also, she asked uh, about Nautica's closet, and Kaigi very nearly tells her what he found there. He even said, like, he almost told her. He, like, he didn't say anything. And I love how he's like, I almost told her that it's insignificant, but I kept yeah. that to myself. I was like, yeah. huh, he's fucking with us. I love it. He's fucking with the, with the audience. Like, oh, it was insignificant. It's like, no, um, it isn't. So anyway, uh, after after this conversation and, and Hanakawa and Kaiki go their separate ways, uh, Kaiki decides to visit the cram school that uh, Meme himself. Oshino used to be. Yeah, he used yeah. to stay in, and but sees that it's been in ru- it's now in ruins. Of course, that is because of what happened previously. Yeah. Uh, but I love the fact, again, more foreshadowing. Um, he mentions, pretty much speaking directly to the audience, that he uh, meets a girl named Roka. Uh, and <laughs> and he claims that uh, uh, that that's going to help him once he actually meets Convery after this case See, is done. This is the third time I, I, I'm watching this arc, and I forgot he mentioned that. It's so offhand. It's so, like, such a, like, a small comment. I'm like, whoa, hold on. Hold on, he didn't mention that name because that name will play uh, a part in a later arc. It's wow, I've, yeah. I totally forgot about that. I, I love the, the the scene where where he's like relating this to the audience. Like, um, I mean, it's basically just um, uh, establishing shots or just panning shots of the ruined cram school where he says, "I happen to come across an acquaintance, a girl named uh, Numachi Roka." Uh, First of all, uh, implying, in fact, he he pretty much outright states that he knows this person from dealings that they have had previously. Um, Mm. And um, then it kind of cuts to him back in his hotel room, like reading over his notes. And he looks directly into the the quote unquote camera directly at the audience. And he says, that was information that may come in handy someday. For instance, (laughs) in the future, when I become acquainted with Kavro Sugura. (laughs) So good. So Uh, good. I just love the way that he's, when he's saying it, he's looking directly at the audience. He's fucking with us. He's fucking with us. And I love it. Also, 
again, we see the ruins of the cram school, which we know is in ruins, but we still don't know why. I mean, hmm. kind of know. It's been it's been mentioned like, before. We know that. Ruins. So, uh, like, we knew some. We know something happened. I mean, we saw that. Like, it, we saw that back in Hanikawa's arc in second season. So the tiger was there, but it was like something else happened there. It's like mm, I wonder what. Mm. Uh, so anyway, after this, uh, we have a time skip. It is now February 1st, so all of January has gone by. Uh, and Kaiki uh, places a call to Atagi, tells her that today is the day he's going to finish the job. And he's so confident that he's going to uh, succeed, he tells her, celebrate with your boyfriend. Go ma- I think the, go the and phrase he uses is, go make out with Koyomi. A lot. He used that phrase so many times. <laughs> Um, there's, there's a, there's a, in this conversation, there's something that's really interesting too. So he, he point blank asked her like, why do you love Koyomi? And, uh, it's, and Hitagi answers him after a, a sort of a pause. He says, it's because he's Koyomi. I can only fall in love with him. Mm. And like at face value, you think, well, that just seems like the author being self aggrandizing and, you know, being like, it's because of the plot clearly, but it's like, no, it's because of the way he is like his personality and the kind of man that he is. That's why I fell in love with him. Also, like Kaiki sort of comments on that later on in the uh, the in the last episode. It's like, oh, like this dumbass already is doing the work with loving Araragi or something like that when he's referring to Itagi, which is great. I love that. Yeah. Um. So, um. She also tells uh, Kaiki that she's very thankful that he uh, saved her. Um, and Koyomi, uh, but that she's still going to hold the grudge against him till the day he dies. Harsh, but harsh, yeah. <laughs> but again, very much like Itagi. <laughs> and uh, then uh, we meet Ononoki again. Peace, peace, <laughs> peace, peace. Yay, peace, peace. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I love that conversation where Ononoki is literally just like, it's like. The previous scene is Aragi questioning someone, and now it's Ononoki questioning him. And it's like, so why are you doing this? And it's like, is this like the kindness of your heart, or is there something like changed within you? This is like so unlike you to just leave this because she comments on he pretty much like he, he probably made some money off this case, but not that a whole lot considering how much effort he puts into it. Yeah, not as much as he could have made by doing other things. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I love the fact that in this conversation we get a a somewhat deep exploration of Kaiki as a person because we mm. find out that he was actually the one that crushed the cult that uh, destroyed Hitagi's family, right? And yeah, like he worked sure. behind the scenes, unbeknownst to all of them, that he was the one who uh, like tore apart the cult. More or less from the inside. And sort of the divorce. Like, and yeah, like so to- yeah, after, we find out that after this happened, Hitagi's mother went to another cult and got herself involved in it. And then Kaiki realized, wait a minute, this isn't a f- problem with the cult. This is a problem with her mother. Her mother's just an idiot who keeps getting herself wrapped up in this. I gotta separate Hitagi from her mother. So he gives a shit. He truly gives a shit for no other reason than the fact that he cares. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's a sort of a question, like, does he care? Does he not? And it's sort of like, he's sort of like, he's sort of resigned to the idea of it's like, ah, eh, like, sort of, it is what I do, sort of, you know? It's like yeah. when he set his mind to do something, it's like he just, he, he does it. It's sort of, which is kind of similar to Araragi to some extent. Yeah. 
Um, it, it's it's almost like he's putting up a mask of this person who doesn't give a shit when deep down he kind of does. It's almost like he's a fake. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I like that Onoki tells him, well, Gaian says you're going to fail like you always do. <laughs> and then there's like one shot of his face and it looks like, he sort of looks, I don't know if it's determined or angry, but or maybe even a mixture of both. And it's like, mm. Mm. Mm, mm, my bitch. man, <laughs> <laughs> bitch. Um, and then yeah, we, the, we see him uh, go to the shrine, and he puts his plan that he mentioned back uh, a couple episodes ago to Hitagi. He puts that plan in motion. He tells him, "Hey, you know this um, Hitagi and uh, Koyomi, they died in a in a in a car accident." And then the episode pretty much ends with her saying, "Oh, so you're trying to lie to me too." And that's Pretty like the much. old, she's the like, old oh, shit you're also moment. a liar. <laughs> the old shit moment. Like, I love that moment because she's so she she's so frightening in that moment. This is like the first time because until now, you know, Kaiki sees her as an airhead, as a dumbass. But this is the first time where it's like, oh shit, I fucked up. She's scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now to the final episode. The final episode. The final. The big confrontation. So um, yeah. So Kaiki is confronting Nadako. We find out that, or she uh, realizes that he's been lying to him the whole time, and she just engulfs the entire shrine area with snakes and like um, uh, ties him down essentially, so he can't move. Mm. Um, um, and and Nadako's like telling him like this is this is, you know, she's just being who she is. There's nothing that she can do about it. Like this is this is how she has to respond because this is this is this is who she is. Yeah, um, there's no line. There's no denying who she is. That's like she, she, she's like sort of claiming that, like her being this like obsessed and sadistic and violent is just her, her being herself, and there's yeah. nothing more to it. And she also like reveals to Kaiki that um, that it was o- Ogi's fault again, dropping that name, Ogi. And it's, um, it goes back to that theme of, like, a victim, is a victim truly a victim that we, we saw in her arc, where she's, like, she's a, has, she has embraced in her mind this sort of, like, position of, this isn't my, this isn't my fault, like, I'm just a victim to all of these things that have been happening, and it's, like, and so she sort of, like, lets herself off the hook for being a victim, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's almost like a, um, I always kind of, Excuse me. I always kind of imagine this as like Nisio Eason kind of um, calling out the whole victim mentality thing. Like at what oh, point? Yeah. At what point do you are you truly not at fault for the things that happen in your, for your life? Fuck because ups. yeah, because some people yeah some people yeah have crazy shit happen to them uh, uh, of no fault of their own. But then some people have bad things happen to them over and over and over again. And then like, at, at what point is it really not anyone else's fault but yours for still getting into this situation? Yeah. Um, but again, we get that name drop of Ogi, uh, and it, and it it calls back to Ogi uh, earlier in the season. Um, Telling her, hey, there's this thing at Koyomi's house in his drawer. You should go get it. It's the talisman that turned her into a god. And then we mm. th- th- it, it, it puts all the pieces together. Ogi is the one who is foiling Gaian's plans. And yeah, it's like, and, and it's sort of like, like, and, and Kaki is sort of commenting on that, but obviously it's like, it's like, it's still like, what the fuck is even going on? Yeah. <laughs> 
but we as an audience realize, oh, it's Ogi who is derailing all of these carefully laid plans that Gaian has. Uh, because Gaian's original plan was to put Shinobu in charge of the shrine, like of the enshrine, shrine, yeah. enshrine Shinobu as like the god of the shrine of that town, so that she would be able to bring a sort a sense of balance to it. Um, but Nadako got to it first, and the only reason that Nadako got to it first was because Ogi told her exactly where it was, and that by consuming it more or less, it would make her happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, fast forward to this, it's like, uh... And now well. she's angry. <laughs> uh, and then we have one of the best meltdowns I've ever seen in any, in, in any show. When when uh, when Kaiki brings up, well, what about this one guy I saw in your closet? And she loses her shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. Everything stops and she's like... What? Why do you know? Why do you know? <laughs> you peaked. You peaked. You peaked. <laughs> I also like and how Kaiki, uh, Kaiki very obviously read the entire thing because he's sitting there giving her pointers on how to make it better. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's like, oh, the art style is great. And it's a bit cheeky, a bit cheesy, but you know, it's still good. It's very earnest. It's, uh, I love that. I think and I think with a couple of rewrites, it could be, you know, really, really good. It could sell really, really well. You just got to make it more appealing to a general audience. And I love how he ties that to a conversation he has with her in the previous episode, where he, she, throughout the arc, she tell, she asks him, "What is your wish? What is this one thing you wish for?" And then near the end of the arc, he's like, "Do you know why I don't like talk about my wishes? Because like the moment I talk about it, they won't, they probably won't come true." And she's like, "What?" And she's like, "Yeah, just like how your wish that Koyomi and Hitagi are gonna die is not gonna come true if you keep talking about it." And yeah. then he brings it back to to the point of. No one knew that her dream was to was to become a mangaka to to write and draw manga, and yeah. yet she sort of like left that dream aside to be infatuated with this like fake wish sort of of like killing like her like dream boyfriend and his lover or whatever. Yeah, and, and, I love and how the he fact that, that she back. allowed herself to become so obsessed with not Koyomi, her idea of what Koyomi is, because she idolizes him so much that she doesn't see him for who he is. She sees the idea of Koyomi in her head, and like, and she's so obsessed with it to the point where she literally like was infused with a god, thinking she could accomplish that. But she, but in her state right now, she can't even accomplish her true dream of actually writing manga. Yeah, I, I just, again, this is relating all of it back to something Meme said in the very first episode, where Kaiki literally says point blank to her, that's why you're the only person who can take care of you. Yeah. You cannot help others until you help yourself. God, I love so how everything good. relates back to this. This arc specifically, just I love how much character work it does for not only Kaiki, but also... Uh, but also Hitagi and also Nadako. It's just it's it's so fucking good, dude. It is it's great. It is. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, th- throughout the the course of this conversation, Nadako has this realization that the dream actually did mean something to her, and like you gotta open yourself up to you know let other people in because yeah. then she like, can't give up on that dream. Yeah. Because obviously there's something behind it, right? Like there, there's talent. Like Kaiki points out that there's obvious ta- obvious talent behind here. It's just you know if you opened yourself up to it, it might go somewhere. It's not something that you have to keep hidden from everyone. You don't have to keep your true like your true self or the the things that you want hidden from everyone. 
and he's very much like sort of like very in a very angry manner it's like why the fuck is koyomi like occupying so much of your like headspace it's like your top priorities why is why why is he why is he living rent free inside your own head yeah pretty much it's like and and again he's like there is an there is a dumbass who's actually doing that work for you with of loving him let her do this shit why are you like why why are you doing this to yourself yeah i also like that's sort of an underhanded or not even underhanded it's like a sneak uh diss and jab at koyomi and hitagi (laughs) it's very much god this 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 bitch is is dating this asshole (laughs) Why do you want him? <laughs> Let her do the hard work. Um, and he sort of manages to calm her down, and sort of like she realizes that it's like, okay, yeah, like I do have this dream that I want to fulfill, mm-hmm. and then he, he he does it. He actually manages to 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 do the thing and uh, knock her out. Yeah, um, and and something one of the things that he does to 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 say this is that he says that you know he claims that eventually you know it may not be now it may not be a month from now it may not even be a year from now eventually her parents at the very least are going to open that closet and see what's in there unless mm. you go back home and you know resume your previous life and maybe grow as a person and maybe actually fulfill that dream and, yourself yeah, and perhaps like, fulfill it, that dream. Um, yeah, but yeah. So uh, Kaiki, like you say, calms her down to the point where he's able to get close to her, and he knocks her out with uh, I, what what he calls that the slug s- or whatever. Slug. Uh, yeah. It's essentially a fake slug apparition. Again, mm-hmm. going back with the fakes. Um, and just as he just as he finishes up doing this, Aranagi shows up. <laughs> And then one of the best things ever. So first off, this motherfucker is like, oh yeah, Gain sent me to sort of de-escalate this entire situation. So like, yeah, I, lie, lie, lie. <laughs> lie, lie, lie. I mean, he saved Itagi's ass in that moment. And then I love Aragi's first instinct is like, what the fuck have you done to Nadako? She needs help. I need to help her. And then Kaki is like, after he removes the talisman for her and she goes back to normal, he's like, listen. Don't go near her again. You're only like the best thing you can do for her is just leave her alone and get out of her life. And I love how that goes against every instinct of Aragi, but it's so true. He only harms her by being close to her. Yeah, but even Aragi realizes that like he's right. I I don't want him to be right, but I know he's right. It's yeah, uh, that dynamic specifically how like the result of sort of the end point of that relationship presumably yeah. like between um between Aragi and Nadeko is like is so perfect i love how they sort of ended that relationship i also like so when kaiki actually removes the talisman from Nadeko and she goes back to being her regular self essentially loses her god status um, yeah he gives it back to aranagi and he says uh I, I forget exactly what he says and i'm paraphrasing here um but he gives it to aranagi and says um you can do with it what you want, and Aradagi says, "I don't even want to use this." Yeah. Um, so it's like Aradagi thinks that there doesn't need to be a god here to to look over this town. I'm here. Uh, also, and also he's sort of like thinking about how much shit happened because of this stupid talisman. Yeah, I which mean, apparently Gaian gave him. Yeah, Gaian was the one that gave it to him, and it's caused all this trouble. And it's like at this point, he's like, "Nah, it's not worth it." Yeah, it's not worth it. And then, and then Kaiki does the 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 only thing he can and just leaves town and just leaves with town. a job All well done. Out. 
On the way out, though, he he makes a call to Hitagi again, telling her, "Hey, it's done. It's done. I I, I accomplished it. I'm I'm leaving the deed now. Is done. The deed is done. I'm on my way out. Just wanted to tell you. All right. And then I love the fact that he he says, you know, next time you should really sign your letters. It was Hitagi that sent him the letter at the hotel room. And then he hangs up on her like that. <laughs> and then he hangs up. Not only hangs up. Of- not only hangs up, removes the battery from his cell phone and destroys the SIM card inside of it. <laughs> what a legend. What an absolute... So that he can never... She can never contact him ever again. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, but yeah, uh, when Kaiki said... Like, he... Hitagi knew that if he sent, if she sent him that letter... It would push him even harder to accomplish his goal, and the same with Gaian. Just like Aragi, Gaian's Gaian's uh, sending Onanoki to deliver that message and the money knew that it would push him even harder to do a better job, and they were both right. <laughs> yeah, I they mean, were and again, both it's interesting right. that the similarity, like just like Aragi, they always comment on if you tell him to do something, he'll do, he'll do otherwise, and it's mm-hmm. kind of the same with Kaiki in this case. It's. And I like how, as he's walking out of town, of course, you see him kind of walking through the snow and out of town. He's by himself, and he, he's ruminating on, on some of the stuff that's happened. I like how he also, again, directly addresses the audience and says, I think I've cleared all that up enough for you. Or maybe I've made hmm. it opaque. Who knows? <laughs> um, again, leaving it up to the audience. Leaving it up to the audience to determine just how unreliable of a narrator he is. Just what was the lie and what was the truth. Um, and then, he's, but then, but he's going because over of and course over, it's Nisio. Hmm? Well, he's going over and over again in his head, like, yeah, that's solved, that's solved, that's solved. And then all of a sudden, he thinks to himself, "Wait a minute, who's Ogi?" Thwack on the back of his head. And of course, because it's Nisio, of course, you have you need this little zinger at the end. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Kaiki is uh, killed at the end of the. Arc. We're certainly we're certainly led to believe that so yeah a junior high kid uh, comes out and and hits I assume it's supposed to be a bat uh, hits him on the back of the head with a bat and he falls down into the snow you see the blood kind of pouring out of the the head wound um uh, and he and shouts he, Ogi he told you were here yeah Ogi told him that Kai he would be here and and he would have his revenge uh, more or less and and that's when Kai he realized oh yeah I forgot about Ogi. I should have looked into that. <laughs> um, and then I love how, as the, the the arc itself comes to an end, Kaiki is wondering internally, I wonder if in hell money talks. And then he laughs because he remembers he actually has some pocket change on him. And that's like the, the last we see of him. The, the kid attacks him one more time and he falls unconscious. And yeah, we're led to believe that Kaiki, Kaiki is, is dead. Yeah. Is dead. And that's that's the end of Kaiki. That's the end of that's the end of Koimonogatari. That's, that's how, how this motherfucker ends it. Yeah. God, it's so good. <laughs> what a good arc, dude. What a fu- fantastic arc. It's easily one of the best, if not the best arcs. It's so... I think it, it has is, everything. In, in Monogatari, I think it's unquestionably the best written arc. Um, I think it's one of the best Ooh. written story arcs in anime, period. Definitely. It's... I love how so so back in Nisei, like I loved Kaiki from the beginning, from the start. I love I love every second of him on screen. But then to actually give him an entire arc that you are inside his headspace, it's so mm. brilliant. It's so well done. It's so well done to like just in experiencing his inner thoughts and monologues. It's mm. it's 
it's it's funny to me that you know as sparingly as some of them are used every time that the any of the ghostbuster characters are on on screen they steal the scene every oh, single time sure. and it just it, sure. it it perplexes me as to why Nisio Eason has never actually decided to write a story specifically around these characters. I think myself and many other Monogatari fans would be Same. very pleased to see like a story that takes place while these characters are in college and seeing Same. like their origins more or less. Also, um, in an unrelated note, shout out to the soundtrack for Koi Monogatari because goddamn. So they they took the ominous theme from Nisei and just built an entire soundtrack around that shit. And it's yeah, pretty it's much. Awesome. Yeah. There, there's so, very few so good. there's very few tracks in this that are actually reused from other parts of Monogatari. Um, but one thing they did do is they took that theme that he is first introduced with and just built, like you said, an entire OST around around it's that. So theme. good! I love the soundtrack for this arc. It's so yeah, great. It is. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to 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 talk about with this. Was was there anything bad about this arc? Because I couldn't no. find anything. No, this arc is. Perfect, and I love every second of it. <laughs> it is the closest thing to perfection I have seen in anime. I think it's um, it. It's just so good. It has everything this sh- that Monogatari does well. Uh, like the dialogue is incredible. The character interaction are incredible. The fucking we didn't even mention. We mentioned it very briefly, but the background art is so good. Like the interior designs and like there's so many shots that I'm like, oh, this looks great. I love it. It's I, I think it's, it's worth so mentioning. Like, this is this was Shaft on their absolute A game. Like oh, sure, bar none. Yeah. This was yep. like everyone working at their 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 peak of their peak. It's that good. It's incredible. Yep. Like this arc is absolute perfection. I love every second of it. I think you and I are probably both in agreement. Unquestionably, ten out of ten. Oh yeah. I mean, again, I don't know if it's my favorite arc, but it's definitely top three. Easily. Well, okay, so since this is the, the end of second season as a whole, and when this originally aired, it was pretty much aired, you know, everything was aired back-to-back. Uh, right. What do you think of, of of second season as a whole? Not not just uh, Hitagi End. Second season is, like, I talked about this a few times by now, and I'll, again, second season feels like the actual sequel to everything that was in Bakemonogatari, right? Like, mm-hmm. I love, absolutely love how we get to see all of these different characters sort of, like, dissected again to their core from where we saw in Bakke, where you see, like, whether it's Hanako or Nadeko or or even Itagi to some extent with this arc specifically. It's, mm-hmm. I, I love, it feels like an actual sequel to Bakemonogatari in the best way possible. Yeah. Personally, this is the third time I'm, I'm watching second season. Shinobu Time... Really good, but I wish it was an episode shorter. But as a whole, second season is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I'll yeah. I would it. say if there, I would say if there is one weak spot in in second season, it is Shinobu time, and not yeah. because I think the story is bad. It's just because I think it goes on just like you say, one episode. It's a bloated. It's a bit bloated. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that could have been done in in three episodes, not four. But aside um, from that, second season absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. This is one of my favorite anime seasons ever. Um, and I think with good reason, it's, it just slaps. It really does. Like it's mm. everyone on their a game. It's Nisio Eason. It is absolute best in terms of writing. Um, uh, Shaft just completely knocked everything out of the park with this as good as, you know, Bake and Nisei were. Um, 
it just completely and Nisei especially was incredible on rewatch. Don't get me wrong. So last question before I before I sign us out here, um, who was the real fake that was introduced in Nisei? Because the answer is in second season. Was it was it Nadako? Was it Kaiki? Or was it Tsukihi? All of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) See, because I've always thought it was a huge bait and switch. When you look back to Nisei after watching this, the real fate Mm. was Nautico. Yeah, for sure. I mean, heck, remember back in in, in Nisei when literally they referred to Nautico as, oh, she's the final boss. Literally, yes. they sort of do that there. It's Again, incredible, ladies and gentlemen, in the movies, this is called foreshadowing. <laughs> so fucking good. Absolutely incredible shit. Like, this is why Monogatari is so... Dude, we literally spent three different recordings for this one 26-episode season. Yeah. We've spent over four hours, I think, at this point, talking about second season. So, yeah. Um, Goddamn. That's great. <laughs> it's, the, it's the longest season. It's the longest... Uh, bit of the Monogatari series that's come out and well at least as of the time of this recording assuming there's going to be no more uh, uh, anime um, yeah uh, so what's next Natai what do we got next Hana Monogatari here we come Hana Monogatari <laughs> let's uh, fucking go let's let's fucking go five episodes I wonder if it'll be shorter than this recording probably not um, probably not I think once we get through Hanumanagatsuri, though, that that is the end of second season of... uh, Then we get to final season. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, Then we get to final season. So that should be be interesting. And of course, we are eventually, like I said, going to go back and do uh, Kizumanagatsuri, which is technically part of of first season uh, in terms Mm. of its story, um, but aired while final season was going on. So uh, we shall... Get to that just a while until we get there, yeah. Yeah, Hanumanagatari will be our final foray into second season and then on to final season. So, uh, definitely look forward to that. I have thoroughly been enjoying this rewatch so far. I hope you have. It's so good. I'm having a great time with this show. It's 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 really great to watch something that you always like cherish as something like absolutely incredible that you love and you like. Wow, it's even better than I realized. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that that is that is second season. Um, thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us absolutely gush about one of our favorite things ever. Uh, check the description below to find Anime Club After Dark on uh, social media, on Discord, and check out our merch store where we have uh, lots of things you can purchase. I have some stuff coming up uh, for uh, certain holidays and uh, that are coming up for. We got Burb has made um, nice. Uh, holiday versions of our logos which i will be bringing out throughout the rest of this year uh mm. as merch that you can buy yes yes buy our merch uh, yes it definitely helps us every purchase you make there really does help us out with that i have been your host alex and i will see you next time say good night natai mm, goodbye time to cry myself to some karaoke yeah baby da 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 Oh, God. I love you. Kaiki, best girl.